Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast about the Kansas City Royals hosted by some guy on the internet with a microphone. That'd be me. I'm Lux. At least that's what I tell people every now and then. (laughs) Uploading every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And thank you for listening, by the way. Also, Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter. That's where you can follow me and hear me say, or rather not hear, because you can't really uh, post uh, voice messages on Twitter. At least I can't. But you can read some of the dumb stuff that I post there every now and then for some good old japes and jaffs and whatever. Excited to be making some new friends on there all around the Royals community. And I had a nice little boost from the Royals Rundown podcast featuring me on Monday. That was a lot of fun. So if you're new to this from that podcast, thank you once again. Thank you, everybody. It's been a lot of fun. And so this would be a wonderful time to announce that I'm going on hiatus for about a a week or so. (laughs) Um, I'm going on vacation next week, so let me tell you how this is going to go. I'm going to have this podcast, I'm going to have Friday's podcast. Next week, though, no podcasts. I'm going to be gone, I'm going to be on the road, I'm uh, going on a road trip, and I'm going to be leaving KC, going to St. Louis, going to catch a Cardinals game, then going to Cincinnati, going to catch a Reds game, then, oh, wait, where is Cincinnati closer to the KC than Cleveland? Well, in any case, I'm also going to Cleveland, going to see a Guardians game, and I'm going to Pittsburgh to see a Pirates game, and then I'm, and I'm finishing this up in New York for a Yankees game where they retire Paul O'Neill's number. Uh, it's a long story as to why this is all happening, but that's going to be my uh, life for about 10 days. So yeah, I'm going to leave on Saturday. Actually, also going to Saturday's game where the Royals take on the Dodgers. That's going to be, um, well, that should be an interesting matchup, to say the least. And then, yeah, I'm going to go to all those games. And I won't be back until uh, Monday, maybe the uh, 22nd. At the very so I probably won't have another podcast out until the twenty third of the of August. So I apologize. Oh, I know some people. You know, some people are like, oh no, how am I gonna go about my day, my week, my life without a new episode of the Royal Deluxe Podcast? How could this happen? Stay strong, my friends. <laughs> Stay strong. We'll get through this together. So before we get into Royals discussion, I do want to give a quick shout out to the Quad Cities River Bandits for absolutely pounding the Cedar Rapids Colonels in the minor league Field of Dreams game that occurred yesterday. Yes, the Field of Dreams game, it's back. It was a really cool thing that they did last year. So, I mean, obviously it was just so great that they had to do it again. Um, it's not it's not going to be as interesting because this year it's I mean last year last year was perfect they had the White Sox and the Yankees and you know it not it was not only thematic to the movie but it was also two really good teams two playoff teams fighting in this game really really great game overall lots of fun it was it was absolutely spectacular so obviously this year they're going to be doing it again but unfortunately it's the Cubs and the Reds. Uh, I mean, they're not, like, as bad as we might have thought, but they're, um, well, 
I just don't think they're prime-time baseball teams, to put it respectfully. But, I mean, they got some fun guys there. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really excited to see Joey Votto, especially in those super old-fashioned uniforms that they're gonna wear. I don't know if they revealed them, but that should be fun, at least. He will fit perfectly in that. So anyway, this year... They uh, expanded upon the Field of Dreams thing a little bit with a minor league exhibit, and so they brought in two teams that play in Iowa naturally and had them play there. So the River Bandits, who play in Davenport, they are our High A affiliate, and they played the Twins High A affiliate, the Setter Rapid Colonels, and we beat them 7-2. to Actually, these teams also had a fun little throwback rebranding where the, the the river bandits were actually the davenport blue Sox, as they were uh referred to as for that year for for this game and they uh wore those old-fashioned uniforms and then the colonels were actually the bunnies the set of rapids bunnies that's adorable so yeah and then we the the the, the uh the blue socks the river bandits whatever you want to call them beat them up seven to two it was a fantastic game Chandler Champlain was the starting pitcher. He went six innings, gave up one run, no walks, I think six or seven strikeouts. It was an absolutely fantastic game. If you don't remember, Chandler Champlain is one of the guys that we got from Andrew Benintendi. That was part of that. Which, by the way, I just want to say that uh, the Yankees haven't been doing so well with Andrew Benintendi. But that's not my problem. I just felt like bringing that up. For no particular reason. So anyway, Chandler Champlain got a nice spotlight there. Had a really, really great game. And Peyton Wilson had a nice cornfield home run. He's someone who was kind of quickly becoming one of our top hitting prospects. He was drafted last year. I can't for the life of me remember where. Uh, but yeah, he's doing absolutely wonderful. So great game by the River Bandits. Way to go. Way to represent the Royals organization in, uh, you know, probably maybe the most important minor league game of the year. At least in, as far as regular season games go. Really fun to see. Can I also just mention how much I love the River Bandits? I am so glad that we have the River Bandits in our organization. I had never heard of this team until the minor league realignment. And I will say, the minor league realignment was such BS. That absolutely sucked. I mean, it was just ridiculous that Major League Baseball just decided to remove dozens and dozens of teams for, like, no reason. So it, it it sucks that this is why we had the River Bandits. They're just basically a silver lining in an otherwise really, really terrible situation. Like, we lost you know, s- several teams. We lost the Lexington Legends, 2018 champions. They have such a great facility over there, and I don't even think they have a, uh, a major league-affiliated team anymore. I'm, I'm sure they're still running something. Maybe they've got, like, an independent baseball team. But, man, they didn't deserve that. They deserve better. Uh, we lost the Wilmington affiliate, although they are, I think they're affiliated with the Nationals at this point, because that makes sense given the area, but yeah, we've just lost a lot of stuff. But the River Bandits coming to our organization is at least a nice silver lining because, I mean, come on, they're a team called the Quad Cities River Bandits. How can you not love that? That's amazing. And also, have you seen their stadium? Have you seen the, if you haven't seen the River Bandit Stadium, 
please look it up. It is such a brilliant and beautiful stadium. I legitimately want to make a trip out to Davenport to pl- to see a River Bandits game, and not and not just because it's the Royals affiliate. I mean, that's just the cherry on top. But man, it is such a gorgeous freaking stadium. It is absolutely beautiful. Aesthetically, they have to be one of the coolest teams in all of baseball. So really cool that they're in our organization and not the Trash Astros organization. Screw those guys. Screw you, Astros. We get the cool baseball team now. (laughs) Ha 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 Anyway, this talk of the River Bandits is not too distract ourselves from the Royals games that happened yesterday. I assure you, I'm not just stalling out for time to avoid talking about the Royals, because the Royals had a pretty decent game yesterday. They had a doubleheader against our good friends, the Chicago White Sox, and they split the doubleheader. They split the doubleheader. Game one, Royals won by a score of four to two, and then game two, the White Sox won by a score of three to two. So no big of- offensive games, uh, but nothing to really complain about all that much. Like I'm pretty much complaint free uh, from yesterday. Just no huge glaring issues, and that's kind of maybe going to be a thing for me. It's going to be a theme of my discussions because. There's just, I'm just not really feeling it within me to complain too much about the players that are on this team, the young players that we have on this team. We've got a a very, very young lineup and a pitching staff that is still figuring it out, but so far lately has been kind of moving in the right direction. So once again, we have another couple of games where starting pitching kind of gets the job done. Uh, Maybe not so much in game two. We'll get there, but game one was pitched by Brady Singer. And Brady Singer absolutely shoved. He absolutely crushed the Sox. And I had a feeling. I've just had like a hunch seeing him today because... I think Brady has pitched against the White Sox a couple of times, and I've seen him pitch against the White Sox. I saw, um, I attended the game he pitched last year. That was in September, where he had like a really, really great start, basically to close out the year against the White Sox. So just thinking about his past starts and thinking about uh, last night's start, or rather yesterday, it wasn't at night, whatever, who cares. It just made me think, you know, Brady Singer is kind of good against the White Sox specifically. I just had a hunch that that might be the case. And so I looked it up. I looked at every single start that he's made against the White Sox. And uh, I added up the results. And I'll tell you, it's eight starts, 46.1 innings, 2.93 ERA. And keep in mind that this is all of his starts in his career against the White Sox, including in 2020, where he had back-to-back starts against the White Sox in his rookie season, and pretty much at the lowest point of it. Because if you remember his rookie season in 2022, it started off decently, but then he had this stretch in the middle of the season where he was just basically fighting. Like, I think he, he faced the Twins three times in a row, and then the White Sox twice in a row, and it was a little tough for him to navigate through that, not make as you just wasn't able to 
or ready to make adjustments or whatever, something like that. So he, you know, wasn't looking so great midway through, but then finished out the season strong. So those first two starts, or rather the only two starts he made against the White Sox in 2022, five innings, three earned runs, 5.2 innings, five earned runs. And he still has a 2.93 ERA against the White Sox in his career. So you might be wondering, well, okay, if he wasn't good against the White Sox at first, but he is now, well, what does ERA like against the White Sox if you take away those 2020 starts? So those six starts that he's made since 2020, he made two last year, and he he only made three this year, but he also had a a two-winning relief appearance early in the year. 35.2 innings pitched, seven earned runs. 1.79 1.79 ERA. Brady Singer absolutely owns the White Sox. This guy against this team specifically just dominates them. And that makes me extremely happy because for years I have been very scared of Lucas Giolito. I don't actually know what Lucas Giolito's stats against the Royals are like, but I remember when he had, was just coming up into the league, some of his very earliest starts, which were in 2017, they were against the Royals, and for some reason, the Royals could not touch this guy. Like, he, he it's just this up-and-comer in baseball, although he, he was a top prospect, of course. Um, I think, like, a top 10 prospect in baseball. You know, this guy, I mean, Lucas Giolito has been expected to be really, really good. It doesn't matter. He came up, and he just immediately started shoving the Royals. And it felt like, even, like, like he had a bad year in 2018, but then beyond that, he bounced back, and it's it, it just feels like Lucas Giolito really dominates the Royals. So every time the White Sox come around, Either we visit them or they visit us. I'm like, oh man, I, I really hope we don't have to see Giolito because he usually kills us. And um, again, I don't actually know how good he is against the Royals, but Brady Singer can finally uh, give me a little protection where it's like, okay, maybe I'm a scared of Giolito, but the White Sox have to be scared of Brady Singer at this point. I don't know if they if they understand. I don't know if, you know, Chicago fans realize this, but... Yeah, Brady Singer is just so good against the White Sox, specifically. I mean, at this point, he's good against everyone else. Brady Singer has been really great for the last while. Ever since he uh, he basically came back as a starting pitcher, ever since the Royals started using him as a starting pitcher, which was that started back in the middle of May, he has a 3.31 ERA in 92 innings pitched. 15 starts. So he has turned in a solid half of the season, basically, so far. It's been absolutely wonderful. Brady Singer is really reaching his ceiling, and it is super exciting to see. So yesterday, 7.1 innings pitched, one earned run, six strikeouts. Fantastic. Oh, and also zero walks, of course, and only five hits. He gave up one lone home run. That's it. That was his only mistake. And it's wonderful. And then it's especially wonderful because I've always been saying that the most important thing with our starting rotation is we need innings pitched. We absolutely need innings pitched more than anything. And for Brady to go seven 
and a, and a little extra in a double header in a stretch of the season where we have a lot of games in a row, no days off for a while. I mean, we had a day off on Monday, but we don't have another day off until the 25th. So we're looking at almost three weeks of just straight baseball, uh, no breaks at all. Yeah, really good that uh, you don't have to tap into the bullpen on a day like this. We can, uh, it's a, it sets a nice, good, even, healthy pace for everybody. So that's wonderful. And also, shout out to Scott Barlow, who helped bail him out in the eighth inning. Uh, Brady came out to pitch the eighth inning, got one out, but got a couple of guys on base. And then Scotty came out to uh, save the day, get him out of there without giving up a run. Uh, Dylan Coleman did give up a run of his own later on, but it's all right. Not a big deal. Royals win 4-2. to two. And it's great. We had some runs scored thanks to a Vinny Pasquantino home run, his fourth of the year that scored two, and another two-run home run from Nick Prado! Exclamation point. Although it was almost ruined by an absolutely brilliant gem of a call by Steve Fiziok. Super <laughs> No thanks. Why? Why is he still have a job? Why is he still employed? Why is he here? No one like no one likes him. Do the Royals understand this? Literally no one likes Steve Fiziok. I have not heard a single person in the entire galaxy say, I like Steve Fiziok, or even say, I think Steve Fiziok is alright. No. No one says that. Ever. And <laughs> Oh, I did hear one person say that. That person is very, very weird, and I don't understand why they would think that. That that was just one person. Maybe that one person is Steve Fiziok. Maybe it was a burner account. Anyway, game two. Jonathan Heasley took the mound for that. He pitched 5.1 innings, gave up two runs, five strikeouts. Those two runs came off of two home runs. Uh, one of them was to a dude named Lenin Sosa. That was his first career home run, so, uh, okay. And the uh, second home run came from the reanimated corpse of Yoan Mokata. Wait, that's not true. Isn't, isn't Eloy the one that everyone jokes about being dead? That's the guy who died? Well, it's not like Moncada's good, so I guess he's dead in a, in a, in a different sense. Yeah. That's funny. Anyway, Heasley... Yeah, you couldn't get out of the sixth inning, unfortunately. And I saw some people getting really mad about Matheny leaving him in for the sixth inning, and I don't understand that. I personally don't think that it was wrong of Matheny to have Heasley pitch the sixth inning when he was only at about 80 pitches. And this should be what Heasley is capable of. Like, it was his calling in the minor leagues to throw some pretty effect, uh, efficient innings. Like, this dude was expected to be an innings eater. Like, he wasn't expected to be a great pitcher or anything, but we thought that he could, you know, reliably go with six innings and, you know, really help the rotation out there. And like I've been saying, you really want your rotation to go six innings each time. You want your starting pitchers to go six innings. So I'm absolutely not uh, upset with Matheny for trying him in the sixth inning. He just couldn't get it done. It is what it is. It was just two runs. It's not the end of the world. It's just, uh, yeah, I guess unfortunate that he couldn't get it done. Unfortunately, another run was given up by Jose Quas, who actually pitched both 
games of the doubleheader. He actually he pitched game one and had a really nice outing there. And uh, he, yeah, I guess he was tried again for the second game. I'm not entirely sure if that was a good idea, a good idea if that was entirely necessary, but it was an, an interesting idea, I guess, but it didn't work out all that well. So there's the what ended up being the winning run for the White Sox because Liam Hendricks came out, did not look good at first, was uh, throwing pitches all around and ended up... Uh, advancing a runner from first to third, I think on a couple of wild pitches, and that turned into a sacrifice fly. That scored a run. So if not for Jose Quas and his outing, Royals might have had to tie a game right there. I'm not going to get too mad about it, though. It's just, meh, it's whatever. I'm all right with it. I'm indifferent, basically. But once again, just like the first game, Royals got a run off of the bat of Vinny Pasquantino. He hit another home run, his fifth home run of the season. He hit a home run in both games. Vinny Pasquantino is that guy. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm just saying he's got that dog in him. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm just saying I really love and appreciate him. Vinny Pasquantino is a lot of fun to watch. He has been a little bit slumping lately, but... Those two home runs in two games, it's nice to see, and hopefully that can get his bat going again. I think the only actual complaint I would have for Game 2 is that Hunter Dozier was just outright useless, which is not uncommon, but he went 0-4, two strikeouts. I think he made a pretty decent play at third base, which is very uncommon for him, but that was about it. Uh, He had just an absolutely terrible at bat in the ninth inning completely did not help at all and Michael A. Taylor also had a really bad at bat in in the ninth inning so yeah that uh, that was just kind of unfortunate that Vinny got on base in the ninth inning to start us off and then it's like immediately uh one or two outs or or so yeah Taylor was the last out he struck out I'm not gonna get mad at M.A.T. because he actually had two hits in the first game and I like using him in game two, because Jonathan Heasley is the flyball pitcher, so you better have your best outfielders out there. I would have actually liked to have um, Kyle Isbell out in left field. Instead, we had Nick Prado in left field. I don't know if it really mattered all that much, but yeah, I just like Kyle Isbell a little better, just to have you know the, the best outfield defense that we could have with you know Jonathan Heasley pitching. And it did matter that M.A.T. was out there, because I think he did have a couple of really nice uh, rundowns. He, he ran down a couple of fly balls. It was really nice. I liked having him out there on defense. That's fine. He did his job there, so I'm not going to get mad at M.A.T. But yeah, I would have kind of liked Kyle Isbell instead of uh, Nick Prado, although you do maybe want to have Nick Prado's bat in both games. I'm just kind of looking at it and thinking about it, and I'm not entirely sure, because you want Prado's bat in both games. You want Vinny's bat in both games. Because Kyle Isbell, he wasn't in game two. He wasn't in game one. Uh, he did, he, well, he came out for a pinch run appearance. He, he, he ran for Vinny in the ninth inning, but that was about it. Uh, I'm just not entirely sure how you would, you know, have Vinny and uh, Nick Prado and MJ and Salvi all batting in both games. And also 
like I know I've been saying MJ should be playing the outfield, but maybe not in a day where, you know, outfield defense is a little more valuable, again, with a fly ball pitcher like Jonathan Heasley. So, eh, I don't know. I guess that's just a something the Royals can't really uh, get pr- perfect. They can't really optimize perfectly because there's just guys that you want in your lineup and also guys you might want on defense, but you're probably going to just say, eh, the offense is a little more important and a little more valuable. So I guess there's nothing they could really do about that. But in any case, still, I really liked Kyle, uh, not Kyle, um, MAT out on out in center field. Even if he didn't have a, a good game on offense and it kind of, uh, you know, didn't really do anything in uh, in the ninth inning when we needed him most, it's whatever. I guess... Um, Maybe, oh, no, never mind. Uh, I started a thought and I'm going to cancel that. Instead, like I was complaining, I was complaining about Hunter Dozier earlier. And Hunter Dozier is another case where it's just like, what what do you do with him? I don't know, man. Hunter Dozier at this point, yeah, it, it's looking really, really difficult to uh, find a spot for him in really any game. And funny enough, there is someone else on the bench that has been used even less. And that's Ryan O'Hearn. I don't think Ryan O'Hearn has played a single game. All, I don't think he's taken a single at-bat, like, all month. <laughs> it's like, why is he still here? I I really don't know. Uh, it's a total mystery. But, yeah, it's just really difficult to think or figure out what to do with Hunter Dozier. Because, look, Hunter Dozier can still have a decent bat. He's been slumping a little bit, but for the most of the season, he was hovering around, like, a 110 or 120 OPS+. plus. Uh, the problem is he doesn't hit with runners in scoring position. And also, he can't play any position defensively. And also, he's like the worst base runner ever. And also, he can't play in Canada. And also, he's 30. And also, he's owed like $17 million for the next two years. And also, the positions he does play, which he doesn't play very well, are played by other more promising players on the... It's such a headache. It stresses me out. It stresses me out that Hunter Dozier is around. And uh, why, did we, why did we do this? But Dayton Moore, why did you do this? Why did you extend Hunter Dozier? You didn't have to do that. Uh, well... Yeah. Final note about game two. Josh Stalmont pitched the ninth inning, and he threw 101 miles an hour. He 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 threw anywhere between 96 and 101. Um, what 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 do we? What does anyone think about Josh Stalmont? What's the deal with him? He has been the most bizarre pitcher to watch this whole season. Some days he comes out and he throws 93. And then some days he comes out and he throws, like he did yesterday, 98 to 101. How, what is the deal with him? Is he, is he injured? What's been going on? It has been so hard <laughs> to follow what he's doing. And it's uh, mildly infuriating. But if we can still get something out of him, if he can still be valuable, if he can still be useful, then I guess I won't be too upset. It's just very, very strange seeing him do what he's been doing this season. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it, but at least he's shown that he still has it in some capacity. So, uh, yeah. That's about it for those games. All in all, decent day for baseball. 
didn't have a big problem with it. It was kind of fun to watch, actually. Yeah, we love that. So, I'll talk to you on Friday before I leave for my exile, whatever you want to call it, from Kansas City. And that'll be after we finish this four-game Right, four game series against the White Sox. Like for, for some reason, I had to think about whether or not it was a three or four game or four or five game series. Rather, no, it's four games. So we're gonna play them today and then tomorrow. Tonight we've got Chris Bubich pitching, and Chris Bubich is interesting because you know his numbers on the year aren't good, but lately he has been pitching acceptably, actually kind of decently since the beginning of July. The seven starts he's thrown, he has thrown for a 3.24 ERA. I'm not entirely convinced that he's got it, but it's at least nice to see him move in a positive direction, so hopefully he continues to build on that, because that would be very nice for us to have another decent starting pitcher. And then the White Sox are going to send out a good old friend of ours, someone that we're very, very familiar with. Did you guess Lucas Giolito? Because that'd be wrong. It's Johnny Cueto. They are sending out Johnny Cueto, who is having a really, really good season, uh, completely out of nowhere. I'm not entirely sure what they uh, did with him, or maybe what he did. But yeah, he has a 2.91 ERA through 15 games, 14 starts, 96 innings pitched. Not really striking anyone out, only six strikeouts per nine innings, but keeping the walks down to about two per game. So, yeah, all in all, Johnny Cueto is having a nice, quiet little resurgence for the White Sox. That's interesting. Good for him. You know, I, I still like Johnny Cueto. And then another good old friend that everyone's familiar with will be pitching for the Royals tomorrow on Thursday. It's none other than Zach Greinke, who has been actually the worst starter for the Royals lately. He has not really uh, been able to go deep in the games or even really throw efficient starts. He does have he has had some, a couple of decent starts, but he hasn't been able to throw six innings since uh, since June. It's been a while since we've had like an, a a really really impressive Zach Greinke outing, but hopefully he can you know just keep us in the game and just. I don't know. Help a little bit. That would be nice. Meanwhile, the White Sox. Uh, yeah, this might this might be the one game to uh, not invest a whole lot into because uh, well, the White Sox pitcher for tomorrow is Dylan Cease, who is having a terrific season. He has a tw- he has a one point nine eight ERA through twenty two starts, despite having the most walks in baseball. <sighs> Among qualified starters, that is. Uh, he has a 3.9 walk through 9 with 53 on the season, which is as much as Ian Anderson, which is a uh, one of the top prospects that the Braves used to have. And now he just recently got option to AAA because he has a 5 ERA. But this guy is a sub-2 ERA. <laughs> probably because he has uh, 12 strikeouts through 9 innings. So this will be a very interesting challenge for the Royals. I mean, the Royals, this lineup can take some pitches. They, I mean, they can strike out a lot, but they can also walk a lot. So this could be an interesting game. Hopefully we can at least stay competitive 
within this game. Have we seen him recently? When we last saw him on May 17th, uh, he threw 5.2 innings and struck out 9. So, yeah. But, I don't know. That was with Whit Merrifield and Andrew Benintendi and some other guys. Maybe this lineup will be a little bit different. Has he met the Italian nightmare yet? I don't think he has. Oh, he better watch out. Yeah. But whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I would love to hear from you at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. So, I'm Lux, and thanks for listening. Go Royals. <laughs>